Hello, I'm Anne-Marie Bon, and you're listening to the European Skeptics podcast, The Real ESP Experience. You're listening to the ESP, the European Skeptics Podcast, an independent weekly show set out to bring you news, interesting topics and interviews with people mostly from Europe, building bridges and breaking down language barriers to show the world how active and awesome the skeptical movement is in the region. This is episode 288. I'm your host, Andras Pinter, and joining me for the show are my co-hosts, Annika Harrison and Pontus Böckmann. Sziasztok! Hallo! Hey san, hey san! Ooh! We're back. Yes. And <laughs> with something that we haven't had for a while, no. a full interview episode that features only an interview and nothing else. Yeah. So um, stay tuned for that. Yeah, we haven't had that since <laughs> February when we interviewed Philip Schmidt wow. uh, about the COVID-19 oh vaccination handbook. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It was time. The time was ripe. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it was mostly about scheduling interviews, which is a bit of a, a difficult issue, uh, especially now that everyone tries to have online interviews with everyone. So it's, it's difficult to schedule. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and we're only interviewing very interesting people which means they are busy <laughs> that's right yes that's right yeah it's not about us not finding interesting people because we have a lot of interesting people yeah, that we long want list to interview, so, uh, um, one thing i want to mention is that the dates for skepcon are out hey, good. will be online and it will be on the 11th and 12th of september mm -hmm. and you can already good. book tickets i think that's good yeah and we have of course the event in our events in Europe calendar on the website. Just to be sure, Annika, it's all in German, right? It's all in German, yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, so there are not going to be any yeah. talks or webinars or anything in Usually not. Sometimes they have like guests or speakers over uh, okay. from Britain or from um, an English-speaking country. So sometimes, very rarely, they do, but I don't think. Right. It's not the, okay. usually not okay, the okay. case. Okay, but we have prepared an interview. So we recorded an interview with Anne-Marie Bon and uh, her book, Fake, uh, which has been out for a while, but the occasion for us to interview her came about as the Hungarian translation of the book is about to come out. And uh, it's an absolutely amazing book. I really loved reading it, and uh, I recommend it to everyone. And we hope that after re listening to this interview, there might be people with good connections uh, with publishing houses that can arrange for an English translation, maybe. And a German one, please. <laughs> and a German one, please. So shall we crack on with it? Yes. Yes, let's do that. Okay. Every now and then, we interview someone whose work we think to be of interest to our listeners and skeptics around Europe. This week, our guest is Dutch writer, science popularizer and educator Anne-Marie Bon, whose many works focus on helping children understand the world around us. Having started her career as a biochemical engineer, she later turned towards writing for children and she was editor-in-chief of the children's magazine Taptoe until 2001. The Hungarian translation of her latest book, Fake, is just about to get published and we thought it would be a good idea to have her on the show to talk about the book and what it has to offer to kids and adults alike. Anne-Marie, welcome to the show. Thank you. 
I'm glad to be here. <laughs> Welcome. Welcome, yeah. <laughs> well, one of the, the most important things of the, this occasion is that your book has been out for two years and we haven't heard about it, which is a shame. Shame on us. <laughs> <laughs> But fortunately, someone, Martin, uh, asked for our help, uh, the Hungarian skeptics' help, uh, with the Hungarian translation. And uh, there is an article coming out promoting the, the, the book on the occasion of the, of the publication of it. So this is how we came across your book. And I'm very happy about it because it's amazing. So we're going to be talking a lot about that as well. But first of all, I understand that your background is in science, right? So you started out being interested in science and your education and, and, and you even had a career in science, didn't you? A very small career. Okay. But um, I studied biochemistry. Well, I'm, I'm an engineer. It's not that I'm a, I studied at a university, but to be working in a laboratory. But the study was very interesting and uh, I'm, I'm very interested in biochemistry and bio biology. But working in a laboratory was not as exciting as I expected it to be. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I just uh, did it for a, a few years. Uh, I, I didn't even work in the pharmaceutical industry or in the research uh, development, but uh, I worked in a hospital's uh, laboratory mm -hmm. because I thought, well, it's, uh, it's meaningful work, but um, I didn't like it at all. And so, um, well, I was lucky to get an appointment at a local newspaper as a journalist and there I uh, learned to write all kinds of stuff. Well, from there on I started to write for the children's pages of the newspaper mm. and I found out that I, uh, I liked that very, very much. And that's how it came that direction. But of course, your scientific view, you never lose. Well, it's, it's been uh, helpful for me when writing for children. Mm -hmm. Do you find it hard to to explain or think scientifically in a way that children can understand? Well, I do it for such a long time that it became a second nature of me. Mm -hmm. So I, I always place myself in, in the children's heads so that I well know what their level is, so how to explain to them. Yeah, no, because some adults do not understand science. <laughs> a lot of adults do not understand science, that's why I ask. <laughs> yeah, but it's, you can't explain everything. When, uh, well, uh, Andash read the book, I can't explain everything, but you try to make it interesting for children and hopefully that they go on, that it is the first steps to search further on for them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, that's the idea. One of the things that stood out for me about the book is how well you seem to understand <laughs> the way that young people think. So did you have to do a lot of research into that or you just keep up with how the world is changing? Because you make references to Instagram and I remember that something very recent came up. Yeah. And the way you try to formulate your ideas and your questions and the questions that young people may ask about the world, it's absolutely amazing. So uh, <laughs> well, I really loved how you put it. So what caught you your attention and, and how did you end up doing that? I mean, you, you, you mentioned how you started it, but basically what you did was you moved to writing to children And that's a completely different world, but you still 
manage to keep your love for science and your interest, apparently, because you seem to know a lot about how science works. <laughs> well, there are two things. Uh, first, writing for children, it's a long way. I'm uh, at this moment 67, <laughs> so oh. I had a lot of time to learn how to write for children. Mm -hmm. And uh, when I started first at a newspaper writing for children, in that time I got uh, children of myself. So it's it, you learn with your children how their world works. And of course, I read a lot about uh, children's education, about uh, how they develop. But it's also a feeling and it's something you've got to... Uh, experience and try out, I guess. But I do it for such a long time mm -hmm. that it became a, a second nature of me. Mm -hmm. And then I was uh, 10 years the editor-in-chief of a youth magazine, a children's magazine. And there we did all also like um, panel uh, investigations. And well, you have many references on the children. From what do they understand? What don't they understand? And I visit a lot of time, like 50 days a year, schools where I talk with children, where children ask me questions. So it's quite natural. That's the part of talking uh, with and to children. And the other thing is when you're an author, well, of course, I do things when, when publishers uh, ask me to, but most of the time you're a free person. I can choose the subjects I like and I'm interested in. And when we talk about fake, it's also my own surroundings. Like uh, when you see at, at Facebook that people... Uh, share the most uh, ridiculous topics and, and when you say them well, when you share them you're spreading fake news eh? and they don't understand how media work people in my surroundings use uh, homeopathic um, oh we love that medicine yeah it's not medicine it's uh, sugar <laughs> well and I, I can't understand and you can explain to them well it's sugar what you're taking and mm -hmm. it only helps with diseases that go on by itself. It doesn't do <laughs> nothing. <laughs> yeah, my friend Natalie Grams always says a cold without homeopathy goes away after a week and with homeopathy after seven days. <laughs> <laughs> well, exactly. And then uh, at schools, uh, well, it de depends on what kind of school uh, you're visiting. But then children can ask me, um, do you believe in uh, evolution? Are you religious? They can ask me. And then I say, well, no, I'm not religious. I'm uh, an atheist and I uh, believe in evolution. <laughs> well, and then they are startled. Uh, how can you say that? You should tell my mother. And uh, <laughs> well, it depends on what kind of school you are. But <laughs> well, <laughs> all, all these things in the Netherlands, I don't know exactly, but, but maybe 25%, I don't know. They don't believe in evolution. Mm -hmm. They think that the world is created in a, in a few days or in perhaps a, a few thousand years. And I think that's mm. terrible. That's horrible. Mm. And then all my own experience, I thought I must do something with this uh, subject. It's my own interest. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. No, of course, that's where we come from as well. We feel exactly the same way. There, are you in contact with any of the skeptical organizations in the Netherlands that work with these things? Yeah, I um, there's this Dutch magazine, Skepter, mm -hmm. and um, I follow them um, in the social media. And then also four uh, skeptic uh, members read my book before publishing. So it's peer-reviewed? Yeah. It is peer-reviewed. Okay. <laughs> very good. By four skeptic uh, persons. <laughs> <laughs> very, very good. <laughs> yeah. One of them was Martin uh, Koller. 
Ah, okay. Mm -hmm. okay. Yeah. <laughs> and I was very thankful and grateful that they would do that because it's so easy to make mistakes and, and uh, be, be not correct. And uh, because it's also a book which is very broad, it talks about many subjects. So, yeah. well, it's kind of uh, difficult to, to be correct with everything. Mm -hmm. So would you say, because you said you're an atheist and you think critically, would you also self-identify as a skeptic? Um, well, I guess so. <laughs> I, <laughs> I've never mentioned myself by that name, but uh, I guess so. What, what's your definition of uh, skeptic? I think you've made a good job of it, actually, yeah. just before. <laughs> Talking about homeopathy and yeah. evolution and stuff. It, it is this. I mean, as a skeptic, you want to be rational. You, you employ critical thinking. You believe in a scientific method. And you reject things that are just belief-based, that there are no yeah. facts behind it. Yeah. Well, that's exactly why I wrote the book. Very good. Very good. And it really comes across. <laughs> so... <laughs> <laughs> so did science writing also come up in your early writings well yes i um always written for children but i wrote uh, informatical uh, publications yeah, on fire on biology uh, all kinds of uh, stuff and then it's nice if you have some background in science then it's easier to write about it for children because that's what i also find that uh, for children People write many stupid things for children, which are completely yes, untrue. Indeed. <laughs> yeah. So, um, well, that's something um, yeah. I'd like to make. And, um, yeah, there's a quote of Cara Santa Maria. She says, never underestimate your audience's intelligence, but their vocabulary. So the, I think it's probably mm -hmm. similar to children, maybe yeah. in a bit, that children may understand that they might just not know the words. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And usually ends up being very much dumbed down to the level that it, it's not even factually correct anymore. So yeah. Uh, yeah. do you do you write for adults as well? Hardly. I only write um, sometimes for teachers. Okay. Uh, because I also give lectures for teachers. Well, and then most okay. because of uh, creative writing or to stimulate them uh, to read books and to help the children to read books because... Uh, not being able to read correctly is, is one of the big problems in the Netherlands. Mm -hmm. Children, uh, like a quarter of the pupils, go from school and they can't, you call it in the Netherlands, lage letters. They, they, they are not analphabetic, but almost. Like weak in, weak in writing. Is it like a functional analphabetic? Uh, is that? Yeah, well, you can, you can say it like that. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's children in, in the Netherlands, they uh, like reading the less of the whole world mm. so they are not motivated to to read and then they are at the bottom of all the countries in the world mm -hmm. and their ability to read is going down 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 mm -hmm. it's horrible so on that subject i sometimes well help and stimulate uh, teachers not on science but well of course in everything i do and say and uh, well write of course my vision uh, plays a part mm -hmm. I, i think the netherlands is not unique yes. in this respect yeah. even though it's bad there yeah. i think we're it's a big experiment happening at the moment uh, where 
lots of children they have so many other ways to communicate that they neglect reading yes and uh, yeah. i don't know what consequences that will have but of course it's bad when people do not grow up and don't know how to read or or write yeah. properly mm. yeah they can't understand documents like well the, the text formula uh, documents yeah. they can't read it they can't understand it and that's uh, no they're waiting for the youtube version of the themes the thing <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah and so yeah. functional illiteracy is different from the regular illiteracy because people can actually read but they don't necessarily make sense of what they read or or, or that kind of sense no no they don't understand it yeah and the problem is that it's not restricted to children anymore no because there has been at least a generation that grew up with all that technology surrounding us that divides our attention all the time and and we have difficulties understanding stuff that we read. So what would you say if you had to point to a couple of things about what the major differences are in writing for children and writing for adults? What would you say? Well, that's not so much difference. Okay. <laughs> it's just that you try, well, I don't write scientific uh, articles, but in writing for the local newspaper where I worked or for children, there is not that much difference. It's just that, well, for children, many things are new. So you have got to know where the uh, level of understanding is at a, at a certain moment. You, you must know that so that you sometimes you have got to explain stuff. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think you need more humor mm -hmm. when writing for children mm -hmm. they like to laugh so that's also what i did with fake trying to make funny or extreme examples so that that they are shaken oh what's that <laughs> yeah, so, so that that it's something to laugh and um well the, the book is not been published in germany anika because there <laughs> <laughs> the publishers they don't like to laugh yeah they are very <laughs> serious well if it's about science <laughs> they won't <I> <laughs> <laughs> and laugh about science is a very serious thing. <laughs> yeah. And uh, well, and I think when you want to reach children, it must be a little bit of me light. You must tell the things, but you must keep it a, a bit short and not too many words for something and so that they understand. And for many uh, adults these days, well, it's in fact the same, but you there are other subjects to talk about, perhaps, but it's not a really great difference, mm -hmm. I think, mm -hmm. in principle. Yeah. So let maybe we we mentioned the book a number of times. We haven't really delved into it yet. So how did you come about to write it? Why did you write the book fake? Well, it's because of my own uh, interest and because I was um, yeah so amazed about the stupidity of many things. <laughs> That I, I, I thought I must, I must write about it. And I started five years ago with the book. I, I've been busy with it three years, not all at the same time, of course. It was uh, with periods because I've got other things to do than uh, only writing, but still. And then in, in that time, um, of course, I read uh, many books. I did research. I talked and I all stuff which came up uh, in uh, from newspapers. I thought, oh, that's interesting for my book or that I can use that. Well, I all uh, gathered it. And um, yeah, it's what I, I really wanted for myself. And that's so great if you are an author, you're free to write about 
what you think is important or what you think is nice to do. At this moment, just very short, I found a new uh, topic for a new book, mm. which can take a long time. And, and that will go on power and uh, fame. Oh, because. Uh, ah. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of uh, stuff to say about it. Why do people uh, want it? And then, well, there's also crazy things that, that world leaders, they have watches which are very, very expensive and uh, to, to show off. <laughs> or they build rockets to go <laughs> into space. But, well, might is also... It's also something in the beginning to change things in the world, to make things better. But then people get taken by it yeah hubris almost <laughs> oh yeah. yeah corrupted yes. and then they they lose their empathy for other people and yeah. you see it around you people taking uh, power to themselves and uh, yeah. yeah i think it's a great uh, topic and then it's it's so much fun uh, you have this uh, this idea and you go and read and yeah learn all about it and talk to people and well Mm-hmm. That's um, I think uh, I'm blessed with my work. <laughs> what What is the age group you are a- aiming for? We we talk about children, but what, what yeah. before, the fake the book called fake? What, what age group do you aim that yeah. for? Yeah, that's for twelve years and older. Mm-hmm. But um, I also write for young children, like uh, four years old or five years or mm-hmm. six. Well, all ages, in fact. <laughs> but but fake is for twelve years and older for younger. And yeah. I can attest to that i mean i i read the book and it's amazing i would easily recommend it to every adult out there as well <laughs> it's like a concise book of everything yeah. <laughs> that skepticism related so the structure is absolutely amazing <laughs> you start out with superstitions and and how it's built up is it coming from you or the editor's uh, suggestion no no that's for me okay no, that's because me. the logical structure of how you build up the book you start out with the superstitions and then you explain the world of science, how science works, how statistics works, and how it's d- difficult to understand. Then psychology, psychology. Then you move on to conspiracy theories and conspiratorial thinking. Then fake news and logical fallacies and pseudoscience. So you basically cover all <laughs> angles that are available. <laughs> yeah. It's like a complete guide to, to the world of fake. Yeah. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I wanted to make a plea for free journalism as well. Okay. Uh, because it's it's very essential. Uh, if you want to know what's true or false, well, then it's free journalism is, is something which is really important for democracy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because otherwise, uh, governments, they can, can say and do whatever they want. And free journalism, they can stop them and say, no, things are different as, as what you say. And uh, so this book is about what is true and false, but also a plea for free journalism, for science. That's right. And I I try to explain how science works because many people, they don't even know what it is. They they say, oh, scientists, you don't have to believe them, but they they don't know why why they say it. So, um, Do you have a couple of favorite examples from the book that you write about in the book? Yeah, well, there's, there's funny examples. But uh, for instance, uh, Paul 
octopus. I don't know if somebody of you remembers him. It was in uh, 2010 when the World Cup uh, yeah, football yeah. Was, was playing. Yes. And then it was in, in Sea Life Center in uh, Hamburg in Germany. There was this octopus. And the, these octopuses, they can uh, <laughs> they can lift a little. <laughs> and then they had uh, so two boxes. And um, they put the flag of the countries which were playing uh, against each other at the back of these boxes. And then every time when he took the food from the first box, that was the country which was going to win. And he was, every time uh, Paul was right, so he was uh, honored as a on a citizen in Spain and everybody laughed uh, Paul and then he uh, let Germany lose <laughs> <laughs> well then everybody was so angry at Paul so in Hamburg they had to take extra security because everybody wanted to kill <laughs> this octopus oh, that's so <laughs> <all> amazingly stupid <laughs> octopus recipes <laughs> went viral on the yeah. internet so it's also <laughs> So very stupid. So I like that story. And then I, I like this. Well, people overestimate themselves. I, I think you, you all have, have noticed in, in my uh, case, it's people think it's very easy to write a, a children's book when they don't have um, studied it or or experienced it. They think, oh, that's, that's, a, that's, that's no problem. Or everybody at this moment, uh, they are experts on uh, vaccines or viruses everybody uh, <laughs> thinks they know all about it but then um, well something which is it's nice to try if, if you have now uh, at this moment try to uh, to draw a bicycle Mm. And if you if you let people do that, they make very crazy objects. And then there was this artist, his name was uh, Guanluca Gimini, and he made of all kinds of drawings, three-dimensional objects. So there, there came, became very crazy bicycles, <laughs> which, which on no one you could ever uh, ride. But um, it's people think, well, a bicycle, of course I know what a bicycle is, but this little experience shows that, that nobody really knows how it, uh, how it function, functions. <laughs> so that's also what I like. And then um, what I also um, like to tell at schools is, uh, well, that uh, the late James Randi, mm -hmm. you know him all. Yes. Well, I think that's a great example that he uh, promised uh, $1 million for who could on scientifically basis, prove that homeopathy could work or that somebody had paranormal gifts. And then you could get $1 million, but nobody ever succeeded, of course. No. And, um, well, I think that's a great example. Yeah. Now, James Randi was fantastic. We, we had the fortune to have him on oh, the really? show once. And we also met him in, uh, met him in person. Oh. And uh, he was a fantastic man. Tragically, of course, yeah. he, he died the last uh, fall. But uh, yeah. he's still remembered very fondly by skeptics. Yeah, I, I think it's great what he did also because he made so many things clear. Mm -hmm. Clear yeah. that they were false. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And, and you even mention him in the book, not only for the $1 million challenge, but also you mention how he managed to reveal Peter Popov's yeah. earpiece and how he cheated people with hot reading. Yeah, and, uh, great. Hot, yeah, so you, you even go into hot reading, which is... Uh, <laughs> 
I'm telling you guys, uh, this book has to be in every person's hands. That, yeah. So, to fulfill that, I do want to read it. How many languages is it available in? Is it in any language that I can read? Well, it's uh, trans been translated into Russian. I don't know how your Russian nope. is. No? Okay, it's uh, translated in uh, in Korean. Maybe that's the language. <laughs> Hungarian, maybe? And then, <laughs> Hungarian. <laughs> I, I think best you try Dutch. Yeah, I think so too. <laughs> yeah, right. So, uh, well, there are no plans to, to translate it into English? Well, I'd love it, of course. But um, it's something that uh, the publishers' ha uh, houses uh, do. There are these book fairs. Well, now they are online. But normally they are, there's one children's book fair in uh, Bologna. Yeah, one, once a year, and and one in Frankfurt, which is for adults yeah. and children uh, both. Mm -hmm. And on the book fairs, publishers of different countries they have appointments and they show their books to another and they promote them to the publishers. And that's the place where um, work has been sold to other countries, mm. the rights of the books. Mm -hmm. So um, I don't know, uh, but I, of course I would like it, but. I think it's very funny that of all countries, Russia <laughs> and Hungary, <laughs> oh, yes. Hungary yeah. and uh, Korea. <laughs> well, <laughs> I think it's. Uh, yeah, I don't know about Korea, but I think in in Russia and also in Hungary, you need that. Yes, book. <laughs> maybe more. we all need it. I'm sure, but I agree. <laughs> I When agree. you were talking about free journalism, I was like, yep. Good that they <laughs> yeah. yeah, 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 that's right. Yeah, but the journalist of uh, the article, which is uh, coming out in uh, Hungary, yeah. Hungary, she said, and I don't know if you agree with her, that, that sometimes she noticed that it was like, and, and I wasn't uh, aware of that, but there were, there were places where I talked... Um, free on sex yeah and and that it's in in hungary at this moment it's uh, oh, no. well it's a bit yeah. difficult <laughs> we, we should not get into that because it, it, it would take, <laughs> no. take us very very far from, from what we're talking about but no uh you did mention in the interview yeah with that local newspaper i mean the hungarian newspaper that uh there were a couple of things that you adjusted to the local local readership so how was the translation adjusted i mean did you work together with the translator Oh. Now, she had a few questions to me, a few things where she said, well, I think it's better this or that way. And then I, t I told her, well, if she had some examples which were too Dutch and she could change them to uh, Hungarian uh, examples, she, she was free to do so. I trusted her in that way. Mm -hmm. It's hard for you to check because your Hungarian yeah. is perhaps not uh, 100%. <laughs> No, and the interview with the journalist, I did it with Google Translate and there came very, <laughs> very strange sentences. Yeah. But well, I uh, nevertheless could change uh, some things because you have seen it also uh, undrushed. Yeah. I could see um, real faults you could uh, yeah, yeah. mention. See. By, the, by the time I managed to check it out, uh, you've already spotted everything that I managed to spot uh, at the end so and you did it with Google Translate so you didn't need me at all <laughs> but it's a rich topic and I think uh, there's new things added all the time every day you read in the news yeah if you would write it now what would you include that you didn't know about yeah. when the, the book came out well like maybe pandemic Uh, related stuff yeah of course because I had a, a topic on vaccines 
But then I was talking about measles and the HPV virus for girls. But if I had to do it now, of course, I'd talk about uh, COVID because, uh, well, Mm. it's more actual than ever. Because here, I think it's everywhere, but here in, in the Netherlands, they were setting fire on transmission towers because people thought they would send out viruses <laughs> yeah. or they don't want the vaccine because they think there's a microchip uh, in it. And uh, Bill Gates is <laughs> made the chips. And I, most crazy thing. So I, I would sure be talking about it. And then, of course, what also uh, worried me very much was the storming of the capital by Trump uh, and and QAnon in the in the in the United States is also yeah. mm-hmm. too crazy to be true. Oh, this man who who wanted to kill people in the pizza restaurant where they had uh, children, uh, pedophile files, or I don't know what, but there wasn't even a cellar. So. Uh, all right. It was to, to liberate all the children in the cellar. Yeah, yeah. 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 Problem yes. was there wasn't even a cellar. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, crazy. Well, these kind of stuff, yeah, great. But maybe we can look forward to a new book then, because it seems like you have enough to make a follow-up. <laughs> yeah. No, I don't I don't make a follow-up. But if there's uh, a new edition, then I, I rewrite, uh, mm-hmm. of course, uh, mm-hmm. stuff. But mm-hmm. now I'm, I'm going uh, to um, dive into... Power, might, uh, fame, uh, and that kind of stuff. Because I, I think it's it's a real uh, subject and very timely too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, do you have any of your works translated to English? Like not fake, but any other? No, nothing. But there's one uh, book which is uh, translated into German, and it's called Mette uh, unter Verdacht in German. <laughs> It was my first novel for children of uh, 15 years, uh, that age. And um, well, I, I would write now, I would write it different <laughs> now <laughs> because <laughs> you keep on learning. Yeah. Is, there, is there any way you think we could help or people could help to get any of your books translated into uh, like English or so? I mean, apparently the Hungarian skeptics helped a little bit with, with fake. Maybe we can uh, do something. Well, unfortunately, not enough with the publication, um, um, unfortunately. But um, okay. yeah. we will definitely do a little bit of promotion <laughs> of the book when it comes out soon. Oh, with yeah. promotion yeah, yeah. only. Okay, fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. okay. Okay. Yeah, well, how it works with uh, publishers, it's m- most of the time it's uh, when you know somebody at a publishing house, then you can say, oh, this book, it's uh, been published in uh, Hungary and it's very great and maybe you should look at it. And mm-hmm. Well, there is a German translation, but it's never become to a book because the Germans, they want it very serious and what I told they they want school books on the topics and not something which is also nice to read which is so sad and because <laughs> like that's what the publishers think <laughs> yeah. yeah because like I always miss that uh I was a child very interested in science and I could never read books about science that weren't school books <laughs> so <laughs> yeah yeah but that's yeah. Uh, I'm, yeah. I'm sure there are Germans that have a sense of humor uh <laughs> No, no. <laughs> you know, I do think that some skeptical organizations could pick this up and, and, and run with it because now that we know of it, we do have, we've, we've just 
discussed it with uh, the board of the Hungarian skeptics, that we will want to use it as a tool to educate people and educate young people and adults alike. Yeah. Because it's such a good collection of materials on the topic. And having been a skeptic for more than 20 years, I could not find anything in it that doesn't work. Mm -hmm. I mean, you mentioned, uh, Anne-Marie, that four Dutch skeptics checked it out, worked with you on finding things that might not necessarily be exactly how you framed it uh, at first. But it's brilliant and (laughs) it works perfectly and we will want to use it. So definitely want to make a promotion on a wide scale. So we will use the fact that we are known in the country to try to... Your network. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but yeah, basically a lot of people know about us, not necessarily just personally, but but they know about us. So we will do a little bit of promotion mm. for the book. Right. <laughs> Great. Well, but what you say about educational purposes, that's my idea too, yeah. because mm. I, I said I go a lot to schools being a, a children's author. And then you talk about your books. And this is a great book to talk with children mm. uh, about and uh, ask them que- questions and uh, play some games. You have seen there are small puzzles in the book and things to do. Yeah, there are. And, uh, well, that's fun. Children like that, like quizzes. And um, it's great to talk about it. Also, like peer pressure. That's something which is for children so important. If they see how it works, maybe (laughs) it helps a little. I think, uh, well, that's all I can do, talk about it with children and... uh, yeah, make make a discussion of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's why I'm I'm happy myself with the book to talk with children. But if anyone knows publishers, that's that's how it works. It it also works with with people who want to publish a book. Well, if you are like uh, me, have written lots of books, then you have your publishing houses. That's not a problem. But when you for the first time write a book, it's it's very difficult to get it published. Yeah. But, but when you know people, when you have uh, an, a network or if you have somebody who will say, oh, this is a good book, that helps. Mm-hmm. This, that's the way uh, how it works. Or Maybe uh, the next uh, book fair that they <laughs> that my publisher can can say from oh it's already been published in three countries maybe it's something for you yeah mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. yeah and that's exactly what we're trying to achieve here exactly <laughs> <laughs> and if people want to know more about you how can they follow your activities well I have my website but it is in Dutch <laughs> well Google but, Translate uh, well with <laughs> Google Translate. <laughs> And, um, well, I'm friends with uh, Andras on Facebook (laughs) since uh, a very short time. Yeah. (laughs) And, um, well, I'm also uh, on Twitter, but I don't do much uh, on Twitter. And most of it is uh, in Dutch. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. Well, then we just all have to learn Dutch. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. For you, maybe it's not that difficult. But uh, German and Dutch, they are so much alike. But but that's also the the difficulty. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I know a bit of Dutch, but I'm not fluent, as I said. (laughs) (laughs) Me neither. No. No, No, uh, I would struggle a bit. I don't think I could say anything in Dutch. Really? I can say my birthday. Oh, good for you. Good for you. (laughs) 
What's your birthday? <laughs> ik ben geboren op de 20 november 1989. Oh, wow. oh my god. Show off. Oh my god. That sounded Dutch. I don't know how well she did. Probably but horrible that... uh, pronunciation. <laughs> By the way, I uh, I want to tell you, Andras, I was once in uh, Hungary yeah. uh, in 2016 in Budapest. Okay. And that was exactly the moment when all these uh, refugees were holded back at the oh, station. Yeah. And at oh that time, God. I was there. I needed a, an international train, but there was no international train because all the people... And then we took with another couple a, a cab to Bratislava where we needed to go. <laughs> so well, that was that was when I first... <laughs> yeah. When you do your research for your next book, I can help you with a couple of materials on how Orban used that occasion and how he used the refugees. It's, they they call them immigrants, where they were refugees. They were refugees. They, he used the refugees to build up his own power even stronger than, than it was. And it was a complete series of manipulative actions on the government's part. And it's absolutely outrageous. And it's well documented how it all happened from the beginning of the, the influx of the refugees, how it culminated towards that moment when he could all blame it on Europe and the European Union. Oh. And that was a terrible yeah. move. So it's it's a power yeah. move. It was a power move on Orban's part. Okay. So. <laughs> well, I'd love, to, I'd love to hear more about it. Okay. Because it was so confrontating uh, to be there at that exact yeah. moment. I've, I've got some pictures of it and... Uh, Afterwards, I wrote a book on somebody, uh, a boy. It's fiction because I write fiction and non-fiction, both of it. Mm -hmm. It's called Free Run and it's about a boy who has no papers, mm -hmm. uh, who is without state, stateless. Yeah. And um, also the experience there in Budapest helped me uh, to be interested in that uh, topic. Yeah. And imagine how much he could use the fear that he generated really? in the general public yeah. for his political gains. It's, it's horrible. It's horrible. Yeah, it is. It is. And yeah. we're talking about flesh and blood people mm. uh, who were used yeah. for his own political gain. And yeah. it's terrible. Terrible. All right. Before we all get depressed, completely depressed over, over things. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> we don't. <laughs> <laughs> I would like to thank you for joining us today. And please let us know if you're done with your book and uh, whenever something new happens, if an English translation of your book or any of your works comes out, please let us know. Or German. Or German <laughs> or, yeah. or Swedish or something. But in Sweden, people yeah. don't necessarily need a Swedish translation to enjoy stuff. English would do fine. They are very happy with their English. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so not the case in Hungary, I'm afraid. So yeah, thank you very much for joining us today. And we do uh, wish you a lot of success with the book. Yeah, well, and thank you very much for your great words <laughs> about the book <laughs> because I'm, I'm getting very shy <laughs> from it. <laughs> but um, I'm glad that you uh, read it the way uh, I meant it to be. Mm. I absolutely loved it and I'm recommending it to everyone mm. the moment it comes out. <laughs> yeah. I think also it starts with children. It st everything starts with education. Yeah. And uh, Annika must be uh, agreeing with me yeah. that it's so Im important when, to to uh, help children uh, find their way in the world with a critical uh, note. Good. So, again, thank you very much. <laughs> thank you. And hope to meet you in person at some point. Yeah. Well, if one of you comes once to uh, the Netherlands... 
<laughs> I have a nice uh, spare bedroom. So you'll be my guest if you once uh, come to the Netherlands. <laughs> Thank you. So where in the Netherlands are you, roughly? Which city are you uh, in? Sertogenbosch, ah, Waleduc, yeah. Herzogenbosch. It's it's 50 kilometers uh, south of uh, Utrecht. Mm, yeah, okay. I, I know that from the signs, like <laughs> from the, from the <laughs> yeah. highway signs. <laughs> and where do you live in, in Germany? Uh, close to Cologne. So not very far, not very far. Oh, okay. Oh, that's very close Yeah, that's by. why I'm like, I know this. <laughs> I know this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I come to uh, uh, Germany every two years to the Friedrich Bödecker Kreise, which is uh, for Dutch uh, authors, and there's uh, all kinds of rare le lectures, but that's in Hanover. Maybe we should just meet up at some point of time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Great. Okay, so okay. Anne-Marie Bon, thank you very much. Thanks a lot. At your service. <laughs> thank you very much. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. So what do you think? Ah, amazing. Amazing. It's it's so fun to talk to somebody who's so enthusiastic and she's such a lovely lady. She is. And I, I'm really sorry that it's not in English. I want to read this book now because <laughs> and it, yes. what we always say uh, is that we do really need science communicators. Exactly. And what we need even more than science communicators is science communicators that focus on younger people. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that we can teach people critical thinking Uh, scientific thinking and and how to spot fake news etc when they are fairly young uh, because it uh, maybe later it's too late exactly and she's mm. such a lovely person like i'm as as you already said like i'm i'm really sad i would have to or like maybe i will brush just brush up on my dutch because i <laughs> do want to read her books it's yeah. amazing yeah. like right. she really made my metaphorical book mouth water. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good impression. Yeah, I consider myself very lucky that I have the Hungarian translation ready uh, for that. And uh, I'm telling you, as uh, I, I think it's not being big-headed to call myself an experienced skeptic, and I found it really useful and, and a very good collection of all the madness and all the ideas and a very concise one as well. So uh, it's very easily usable. At least that's my opinion on it. And it shows you how even if you've had a brush with science, so not necessarily a career in science, a long career in science, and you don't have to be a researcher to understand how it works and how the world works and how, how to be a critical thinker. So the thing that I find very often is that people don't want to join the skeptical movement and want to do anything about it because they think that they're not good enough. They're not experienced or not educated enough into science in order to do something about it. And that's not the case. And Anne-Marie said herself that she didn't really enjoy doing the lab work, but she's still in love with science and she loves writing for children. And the two were brought together brilliantly in her book. And um, that's that's the way to go. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I think without further ado, we should probably conclude the show with that thought. And I'd like to thank both of you, Anika and Pontus, for joining me today. Thank you. Thank you. And many thanks to our listeners as well for tuning in. Please keep doing so. And until next week, goodbye. Tschüss. Hello. Bis lat.
This has been your ESP experience. The show is produced and recorded by the ESP.eu. Join us again next time, but until then, please send your feedback, comments, or death threats to info at the ESP.eu. We would also love to hear your ideas and suggestions regarding future episodes as well as news from your country of residence that might interest others across the continent. If you have a local event or organization to promote, please don't hesitate to let us know as we are more than happy to help. All music in the program was written and performed by Keisha J. Gray and George Shrub and is used with their permission. Please check out our webpage at theesp.eu Follow us on Twitter at espodcast underscore eu and like us on Facebook. I don't know how you can believe Miss Lat. Oh, Didn't forget. Didn't forget. <laughs> <laughs> <All> right. <laughs> okay. Good.